It's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast. Welcome back to episode 11 of the CORE 2020 podcast series. Uh, For this one, we're actually going to talk about pre-assessment, the process around pre-assessment. So there's a lot of different processes sort of built into a review of an internal audit submission. And depending on what stage of the audit cycle you're at, these might be a little bit different. But one thing that goes into every submission, no matter what cycle or stage you're at, is a pre-assessment. Uh, and so what, I, what I've set up here today is I've got Peter Smith back with me to help walk through the pre-assessment process. Um, before we get into that, could you just uh, let us know a little bit about your role there, Pete? Sure. Uh, Peter Smith, been with IHSA for several years now, and uh, I just stick with that because otherwise I sound old. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, it started there as a consultant trainer and moved into the core department, and currently my role is a lead auditor, and I work closely work with the uh, associate auditors who perform our third-party audits. Awesome. And I'm Marn Gamble. I'm a core consultant uh, with the IHSA. means I deal a lot with the internal audit submissions, doing the reviews and answering client questions. It also means that I have some direct involvement with the pre-assessment process itself. Okay, excellent. So, so Marn, from our guidelines, it states uh, pre-assessment. So IHSA assigns an IHSA pre-assessor who conducts an administrative pre-assessment to ensure the following. The submission is in accordance with the Core 2020 Program Guidelines and Core 2020 Audit Handbook. Sounds awesome. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like it barely touches the surface to what this actually is. Yeah, and, and I think that's really the intention of this particular episode, is letting you know, you know, what is the intention of the pre-assessment process and, and what goes into it. And in terms of the intention, um, you know, when it says, you know, that ensure that it's in accordance with... We're checking some of the administrative features of your audit to make sure that your audit, you know, from a high level appears to be a full and complete submission that's not going to have any obvious barriers at the time of review. So no missing details, no, um, you know, scoring problems, no technology problems. Sometimes there's issues with uploads, that kind of thing. So you use the term administrative. Yeah. Okay. So so what are we looking at with the administrative? Right. So this is probably a term that we've adopted more than it was, you know, officially put into play um, to distinguish between the things that are how you put your submission together as opposed to things that are actually a part of your health and safety management system. So when we submit an internal audit, we're submitting it with the intention to have our management system audit reviewed. But sometimes those other things in terms of the, how the submission is put together can get in the way of the scoring. That's what we're classifying as administrative here. Okay. okay. So it's more um, our administration on how the audit is meant to be submitted or completed and submitted. That's right. It's, it's the stuff that has to be in place for us to be able to interact with your submission mm-hmm. in a meaningful way. Sure. Okay. So done well then we can have that more meaningful conversation about content of management systems. That's right. We can cut right to the chase, if you will, and get, and get into, you know, the true intent of what everyone wants to be there for. Sure. Okay. Um, our pre-assessment process, we did develop an internal process at the IHSA for how this is going to be completed. We've done this really to make sure that everybody's getting, you know, the same sort of pre-assessment, the same quality of approach. And, you know, we're trying to use systems ourselves to develop these things. So um, we have a process that, I, in my mind, it gets broken down into three main steps. 
The first step is about confirming your contact information, your WSIB registration information, and all those sort of details. I think this is kind of like, you know, checking your ID, if you, you need your passport when you go on a plane, this kind of thing. We got to make sure that like all the names and numbers match up to what they should be. Now, does that change often? The the details? Yeah, the details, like confirm, like contact information. Yeah, yeah, it changed it changes an awful lot. And, and submitting a carefully constructed uh, audit submission can help you update that in our system without mm-hmm. any hiccups. Uh, in between, if things update, you can always submit us an updated application form as well to update our system. But yeah, I mean, people move around, f- locations move around. Like, I mean, you think about the number of times an office changes locations. It's mm-hmm. certainly not unheard of. And there's actually times that, um, you know, there's even changes with WSIB uh, with the names that firms are registered under or that they're amalgamating and those kinds of things. And so, you know, all sorts of possibilities in terms of checking that ID. And we really have to make sure that we know who we're certifying because it all ties back to that account number through the WSIB. Got it. Okay. So so actually really important information. Very in critical. Yeah. If, if we can't validate this first step, it's kind of a full stop. Right, we can't move forward to the other steps of the pre-assessment until the ID check has kind of worked out. Because we issue certificates to the WSIB account, we have to make sure we know who we're issuing it to. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So that's step one. That's step one of yeah. of three. Of three. Um, the next one is making sure you've got all the necessary pieces of the puzzle. Right. So this is there's a there's a mandatory items checklist at the bottom of the audit info form it's making sure all those things are there in terms of what you've provided oh so they have the client has a checklist we have a checklist yeah just marrying them up basically yes exactly um and and then taking that a step further to finally as step three we're going to look at the details of your tool a little bit closer Hmm. we're going to look at your scoring we're going to look at your notes Um, we're going to look into the folders, make sure none of them are accidentally empty, that kind of thing. And just making sure that sort of the, the, the obvious details from a distance are looking good. So three steps, checking your ID, making sure mandatory submissions are there and that generally it appears to be filled out correctly. Got it. Okay. Okay. Excellent. So if there's any questions that a client has with regards to any of this, they they can always reach out to us at core.ca. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we'll definitely be able to help with that. One thing a client can do as well to get ahead of any of these concerns, the way that we validate the check ID step Mm -hmm. of of the process is actually to use the WSIB eClearance sort of public access Mm -hmm. search. We take your account number that you provided us and you do the search based on that. And we just see if the legal name, trade name, and, and address are, are coming up the same as what you provided us. If there's differences, that's when we're going to reach out to you as part of the pre-assessment to figure it out. So if you want to get ahead of it, you can try it yourself and just make sure everything is what you expect before it comes into us. If there are issues there and you think that there are um, things that can be explained or, or discussed, again, that's another reason you'd reach out to us at core at ihsa.ca so we can help you work through that. Um, but definitely get ahead of it. You can access the same system we do, so you might as well. Mm-hmm. I would. For sure. Sounds like a time saver, to be honest. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess that's that's really jumping ahead to if we if we summarize this. Time saver is the intent of the pre-assessment. Yeah. It's to make sure that, you know, nobody's audit is being held longer than it should at the review stage because there's there's information that's necessary, anything like that. It's really intended to make sure 
that client scoring and timing is done as efficiently and maximized as much as possible. For sure. Okay. Um, so once the names and addresses for the company are confirmed through the e-clearance, we're also going to confirm the individuals. So this is going to be provided to us through your submission on the audit information form. You're going to tell us uh, your three key contact individuals. It's going to be the senior manager for the uh, health and safety management system, the senior management for core, and the internal auditor. Um, these need to be in there. We need those people uh, to sign. And then if there's any updates at that time, we'll be able to update our system as well. Okay. So so I take it that these individuals then become our contact people going forward. That's right. We, we like to really make sure that we're communicating with approved individuals for an organization because we consider core results and the core process confidential. And we like to protect that information. So we really do try to communicate exclusively with approved parties for your, for your firm. So... Um, you know, it is a formal process to update those approved parties. And that's, that's what this is, is, is naming those people officially. But I guess the wrinkle is that they quite often change. They do quite often change. And that's fine. That's fine. Because you can update to have new people um, as your official contacts all the time. Um, But this is why the signatures for all three people are critical in in the different places on the form. So we will check for that as well. Um, It includes, there's a a couple sort of attestations at the bottom as well around Mm. ethics and around uh, employment status. So we do want to make sure that you have those people uh, outlined and signed in those three places. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Um, so that takes care of step one. Now, as we yeah. move on to step two, the mandatory inclusions and requirements. Yes. What are we looking at there? So we're going to check, um, you know, your number of employees that you've noted um, and compare it to the interview ratios in your audit plan. We're going to compare that to what it tells you in our ratio table in in the handbook um, and the guideline, I think, um, to to utilize and make sure that you've set up those interview ratios correctly. We're going to do the same thing with your locations. We're going to make sure that your observation ratios appear to be set up correctly and that you're including things like your head office, your shop, your warehouse, if appropriate. Uh, if there's any issues with the ratio, we're going to address this with you. Yeah, because we, we do run into that. We're not every company fits right into that uh, kind of cookie cutter ratio that they have. And we, we do have special cases and in situations like that. Um, you know, we always make ourselves available at core.ihsa.ca. And um, this is where we can work with them to make sure that we uh, approve an audit scope or um, interview ratios. Again, it's not, uh, we don't want to change the form. We want to make sure that CORE confirm, conforms to their requirements and how they've set up their organization. That's right. So if I'm doing a pre-assessment and the ratios appear off, it's also something I'm going to look for to see if there's an email of approval for those ratios as well. Got it. Okay. So those emails, keeping those emails and submitting them along with your internal audit are going to be key then. That's critical. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So in order to confirm um, that you've completed all your mandatory submissions, You really need to complete all the information that's on the audit information form in full and note the checklist of mandatory items at the bottom. So the very last thing on your audit information form is actually a checklist of those mandatory items. So when you get to the bottom of that form and you've completed all the categories and you're checking off all the different pieces, uh, that's going to represent the completion of step two here. And you're actually going to see things like the um, little check, the little red X at the bottom of the screen when you're totally done, it turns to a green check mark as a double check. But the list of things in there that we actually look for, it includes uh, the audit info form that we're talking about right now, a full manual 
um, in addition to your reference supplementary evidence. We really want somewhere that you have a full manual provided for the reviewer. This gives them context uh, if they need to sort of look at the context for something you've provided as just a, a snippet in your submission. Mm-hmm. We also want to see your training uh, certificates. So the internal auditor is going to be asked to complete the four mandatory courses. Yeah, okay, so you've got the internal auditor, and then there's two senior management people, the senior management uh, that have signed off to this as well. Yeah. It's the senior management core that also has to have the training requirement uh, completed as well. That's right. So there's two uh, sets of training that are required. The four mandatory courses for the internal auditor and the senior manager core is going to do the core essentials. So we want to see those certificates provided each time that you do your submission. So when you complete your training, it's a good idea to have those those uh, documents scanned and stored for, for repeated submission as you go through um, for both the senior manager core as well as the internal auditor. Mm-hmm. There's going to be two corrective action plans that you include. Hold on now. Two? Why do one when you can do two? (laughs) There's different applications for corrective action plan here. So one of these corrective action plans is going to be as a result of the audit specifically. So this is going to identify any uh, opportunities for improvement that you wanted to flag when you did your audit, any gaps that you identified when you did your audit, and, you know, coming up with your plan and your, your assigned responsibilities and all that good stuff to tackle those Uh, Those things identified from the audit. This is your audit corrective action plan. The second type of corrective action plan goes beyond that. It goes into the management review process. It's going to be an output from your element 14.1. And this is an action plan that identifies, same thing, opportunities for continual improvement, any gaps, um, but for the whole system now. So this goes beyond core and goes into that management review when people looked at everything, how... Uh, what things did they identify for your firm for that year? So there's two different flavors of corrective action plan. And if you're struggling with that, again, that's a reason you can reach out to core at ihsa.ca. Okay, okay. Then organizational chart. Critical for us so we understand who is your top management. Uh, we understand roles and responsibilities when we get into the procedure questions. Uh, we want to see an org chart for your for for the account that you're providing. We obviously need a complete audit tool. That's one of the key pieces, and we need evidence for all the elements. Now, I skipped one, Pete. The WSIB profile. Do you want to comment on that one? Yes, yes, and um, we did it. We, we we always intended for uh, organizations to get a WSIB profile to submit w- along with their internal audit, and it's. Uh, it, we felt it was a uh, key for organizations to uh, be familiar with the resource and get get their hands on that uh, that document to be able to provide to us. Um, so, and it was something that they could they could access for their organization. Um, tur- but as we as we learn more about our process here, it turns out that we can get a lot of the information we're looking through e uh, clearance, mm-hmm. and that that really covers the sufficient number amount of information that we have. Or, or require from the organization. So it's uh, anything else further needed, we can always uh, contact the organization, ask the questions. But um, we've decided to move off that WSIB profile because it was a very specific document. And typically we, we did actually just get e-clearance documents from organizations. That's right. Yeah. So in terms of your pre-assessment, if, if that one's not included, we, we won't flag your pre-assessment. But do check the box so that you get the benefit of the green check mark at the end, um, you know, on that one. And if you're unsure about what we just said, again, just reach out to us, core at ihsa.ca, and we can um, validate that for you as well. 
the next thing, okay, step step one, we checked ID. Step two, mandatory documents. There's a whole list of things to be included, but um, you know, you'll gather them together and you'll have them there. So we're on to step three. We're on to step three. This is where we need to actually go into your tool and your evidence a little bit, just to make sure that things generally look like they're coming together in, in a way that's going to be successful. So we're looking for if you left any scores blank or entered anything incorrectly. Uh, this could be if you gave yourself less than 100% on an all or nothing uh, question or gave yourself greater than the maximum. Uh, on an all or nothing, the pre-assessor is going to look that it's either zero or full marks. Um, and, and it's easy, honestly, to um, slip up on that as you're putting together an audit submission. So we're just trying to give it another set of eyes there to make sure that that doesn't come up too often in your submission um, and start to impact significant score. Blank auditor's notes are going to be a problem because we cannot score a question that has no auditor's notes. So that's something else we look for. Uh, missing interview scores or where interviews are entered with the wrong ratio. Um, typos come up a lot entering the interviews because you're ent entering tally results. It's easy to kind of hit the wrong the wrong button sometimes. So we're going to look for those as well just to make sure that that doesn't have uh, an undue impact on you. If the evidence you're providing doesn't match the validation type um, or it's an and question and you haven't provided both, we're going to look for that as well. So if it says it needs an observation and you've given documents or vice versa, we'll probably flag that as part of the pre-assessment. If it says documentation and observation and there's only documents, we're going to flag that as well. Because again, these can be barriers to your scoring. Okay. So listening to this process here, mm -hmm. it really is a check for completion rather than quality at this stage. That's right. We're not digging in to... Um, to, to whether the answer sounds like it'll get the score or anything like that from an audit perspective. We're just sort of checking to make sure, you know, did you fill in the blanks and do they appear to point in the right direction? Okay, okay. So I guess this is where the time savings come in. So if you've got a first-time company submitting yeah. their first-time internal audit, um, it gets pre-assessed by IHSA. Yeah. And oh, there are some that end up having to be resubmitted by the company. So sure. we, we send it back to them. Yep. We didn't have to wait the full 60 days as per our guideline. That's right. We're looking at a couple to a few weeks um, mm -hmm. instead of the 60 days. So you're getting that chance to, um, if it is a resubmission, to, to not wait 60 days before the resubmission. But there are lots of cases, too, where we can just request updated information from you and keep it moving um, to a more successful conclusion. Okay. Okay. So then the next step, though, is review by a core consultant. That's right. Um, and that's what gets into the quality and the content. That's right. So at this point, you know, the, the other thing that we're going to check is the evidence folders. Um, mm -hmm. Once we've checked that the tool's all complete, we want to check your evidence folders and make sure nothing's empty, unintentionally empty. You know, something might be not applicable or you scored yourself zero. And in that case, yeah, it might be an empty folder. That makes sense. But if you, you know, reference 16 documents, that would be a lot of documents. But if you referenced a lot of documents and then we go to the folder and it's empty, that's going to tell us there might have been an issue with the upload. There might have been a technology issue. And that's probably not your intention. And that's the kind of thing we're going to reach out to you for. Um, but to your point, Peter, um, we're not going to open those files. Mm -hmm. We're just making sure there are files at this point. Because at this point, we're not reviewing an audit. Mm -hmm. It hasn't gone to a core consultant for that purpose. We're, we're checking for completion. We're making sure there are files to be reviewed. Okay, excellent. So this actually... Uh, uh 
makes the whole process a lot more efficient to move it ahead to a, a core consultant. That is the idea. Uh, we did find in the past when the pre-assessment process wasn't in play this way, is sometimes it would come to the core consultant and then they would identify some uh, barriers at the, say, the earlier stage, the contact info. And then the back and forth with a client um, might end up taking a couple weeks before the review can even get started, which would just extend the timeline for review uh, longer than it had to be because we can check this stuff while you're waiting, which makes it a little bit more efficient. Uh, we were also seeing that, you know, these what I was calling administrative uh, issues were creating uh, disproportionate scoring impacts. So if there was a slip up with an interview ratio or a typo that was consistently made or technology upload issues, that all of a sudden zeros are attributed to all these things because it's not complete, but that's not really a true assessment of the intended submission. God, okay, okay. Yeah, so it doesn't necessarily reflect everything within the organization, but based on the audit requirements, this is the score they're left with. That's that right. And so, you know, people were having to resubmit on the basis of that, but... Who knows what it would have been if, if it was more complete. Okay. So I just say it's committed to completing both this and the internal review within 60 days. That's correct. And then the uh, organization submits for a, their audit gets pre-assessed and then it moves on to a core consultant. So that would be successful through the pre-assessment process then at that point. That's right. So is there any tips or anything to consider to, uh, like I know you already mentioned, uh, checking out the e-clearance. It makes a ton of sense, right? There's a lot of turnover, a lot of changes in organizations with regards to their uh, uh, contact people and representatives. So, um, and naming of companies uh, compared to that WSIB account numbers. Um, so checking that ahead of time because it's the same information we're going to look at. So make sure That's it right. matches up. Right? Is there any other tips that you'd have for someone looking at this pre-assessment process? Absolutely. I've got, I've got tons of tips, but I'll give you a few here. Um, some of the ones that come up the most often is making sure your files are oriented for reading. Um, as audit reviewers, we can't read sideways. Uh, as pre-assessors, we can't either. So it adds time to the review to have to rotate every document as we go through. So the more you can make sure that your documents are in a readable orientation, the more efficient your review is going to be. That makes sense. The other thing you can do is create separate documents for the different items with identifiable file names. So we can avoid scanning through an entire document that's in one file to look for different items. If we have to kind of jump around in one file, um, it's doable, it, it's, it's acceptable, but it does um, decrease the efficiency of the review, the more you can kind of make it uh, foolproof for us and really point us to something identifiable, the more easily we're going to be able to review it. Mm -hmm. The other thing I'm going to say is make sure your images are all easily read. So resolution um, is a challenge sometimes. I know sometimes a method of submitting documentation is to like take a picture and send it into the office which sometimes doesn't come clearly through. And so if we can't read the document and it's a documentation piece of evidence, that's going to be a challenge for scoring. And, and it may leave you without sufficient samples. So these are all the kinds of things that you can do for yourself. Um, you know, it impacts pre-assessment maybe, but it definitely impacts your uh, detailed review. Mm. Um, so it'd just be some, some tips off the top of my head in terms of uh, how you submit administrative things that would be good to have. Okay. Ah, good advice for sure. So pre-assessment, th this impacts every internal audit submission to IHSA. So whether it's a first-time company or even if it's for maintenance. Correct. 
So this is something where you want, if in, in the case of a maintenance audit, so you've achieved your core certificate now into your, your maintenance cycles where you're submitting internal audits for review, you want to make sure you submit them to IHSA 60 days or more in advance of your anniversary date, right? IHSA has, uh, we're, we're committed to getting the reviews completed within 60 days from when they receive them. And we do uh, review them in a first come first serve basis. So the if we're if we're getting it within sixty days, we should have that answer back to you by your anniversary date. Or that's, that's the right. goal. That's right. Yeah. So it's uh, cuts down on any risk for the organization then at that point because you know at thirty days after uh, after the anniversary date, if there's unresolved issues, they, the, the organization will be noted as pending on our website. And then there's also um, uh, other repercussions uh, 90 days past the anniversary date. That's right. And part of the pre-assessment process for maintenance is we are going to check some of those dates and and try to make sure that um, if there's any sort of at-risk timelines that we look at where your audit has come in, you know, sufficiently past your anniversary date that your certificate is already at risk, then we're going to start that conversation with you early at the pre-assessment stage. Absolutely. Okay. Now, if this is your first internal audit submission, yeah. you're looking at certification. The, the process is long. So we're still committed to getting that review completed within 60 days. But the, I guess the key advice you want to look at here is that you're, if you've got a hard deadline, because really the, the big driver for core is being able to bid on projects. And if you've got a hard deadline from a buyer to say you need to have core before this date to be able to continue bidding on our work, um, don't just look at the 60 days. Consider that long, consider longer, make sure this is to us in For plenty sure. of time because there, there's, it's not just the pre-assessment and the internal audit review. It is also going through the uh, external audit process. Yeah. And is, you can speak to that certainly in uh, terms of the length. Absolutely. So we've, the, the audit itself is in, uh, expected to be completed within 45 days. And that's from opening meeting to closing meeting when you'll find out if you are successful or not. But there's also an additional 21 days that you add to this for the um, uh, the development of the audit plan and the cost estimate from the uh, third party associate auditor. So there's uh, we're we're looking at 60 plus days uh, just for okay. this process alone. So it's um, th- there's not just that in a vacuum. And then the other part is there's a lot of organizations that are required to create a corrective action plan for following their internal audit review. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've got if you end up having to uh, address some deficiencies before you move ahead to the external audit. You, you are given a six month window, but you might need a good chunk of that. And that is to get the external audit completed, but you might need a good chunk of that six months to be able to, to address those deficiencies to make sure you're going to be successful. That's definitely a common outcome, Pete. And, and I think it's really that with an eye on those timelines, sort of, as you said, in a vacuum, those timelines are still long and it's never in a vacuum. So we really want to avoid adding 60 days because of any any issues that could have been caught by a simple pre-assessment process. And that's really why it was introduced, is to avoid that, you know, when you're already talking about four or six months on the process, maybe, maybe more, um, adding two months to that, it's significant. So we really want to avoid having that happen. It's frustrating for firms, it's frustrating for us, and we want to just, we want to talk health and safety. So that's what the pre-assessment's about. Excellent. Excellent. Well, no, I appreciate that, Martin. Excellent. Thanks. So is there, you know, as we wrap this up in an excellent description of the pre-assessment process and why we've introduced that, is there a couple words that you want to leave everybody with? Oh man, you're turning it back on me. Um, I'd say in terms of pre-assessment, the key word is completion and that's it. Okay. 
Excellent. I'm rarely a few words, but that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Perfect. Thank you for your time today, Martin. Thanks, Peter. IHSA Safety Podcast. For more episodes, tips, and all things safety, go to ihsasafetypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening.